O Lord, our primary thing is to glorify God, or to glorify you and enjoy you forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our primary thing. Our fragrant offering to you is our worship. That's mostly all we have, God. Our very lives in worship. May this be acceptable to you as humble as it is. In the name of Christ, and we all said, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Well, welcome. We are glad you're here. Um, very excited to have you. It's a special morning. We're really kicking off the fall. And um, the worship doesn't really stop. Uh, we'll go to the Word, and then we'll have the Lord's table in just a few moments. And right now, we do the offering. If you're a guest here this morning, then the offering's really not for you. For the rest of us, we are all pretty sold out on this place. Uh, it's not about building an empire. It's about the great ministry that happens and the lives that change. And so that's why we're all fully invested in this whole thing. So we give as an act of worship. We give back to God because God gave to us in the first place. And it just seems like the natural thing to do. And so we worship with our tithes and offerings and our gifts, our time, talent, and possessions. Um, if you're also uh, new, and I know the plates are going by fast, but you could tear off this thing if you're around and you haven't really been getting any info from us and you like to, this thing just perfs in half and you can put it in the plate or you can take it out to the um, round desk, the kiosk out there and hand it to somebody out there that looks like they know what they're doing and um, we'll send you information about the church and like I, like I say, we won't spam you to death with a bunch of info because, because we're too lazy. So... Um, <laughs> Or cheap or something like that. But anyway, you won't get a lot of things from us. Um, but you'll get just enough. Well, we're in the middle of um, uh, talking about the passion of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and uh, working through his little letter to a church in Philippi called Philippians, of course. And, um, and so we begin with this passage out of the third chapter. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through... 16. Paul says, Whatever gains I had, these I've come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death. If somehow I may obtain, attain the resurrection of the dead from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, then, who are mature be of the same mind. If you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. 
Paul says. Keep in mind, Paul is writing this from a prison cell in Ephesus. He's writing to Philippi, a little, well, it's not actually a little city. It's a city up on the Ignatian Way, the major highway of the Roman Empire for transporting goods, services, and mostly military. Up at the top of the Aegean Sea. Here he is in jail. In a time where if you were in jail in the Roman Empire, there was no three square meals a day. If you had friends, you ate. If you didn't, you starved to death. No problem for the Romans. Writing at a time when the Roman Empire ruled with a sword. It was all power. Pax Romana meant nothing less than the boot and the sword. So I want to throw out to you what probably was apparent to all at, that, at Paul's time. I want to throw out to you two options for the, for the, for the meaning of life. <laughs> the story of the hero or the story of the saint. The story of the hero or the story of the saint. Because all of us are in a story. All of us are seeking a meaning in life. We may not think about it day in and day out except for some quiet moments or whatever or when we're really reflecting. But nonetheless, each and every day, all of us are deciding, am I going to be the hero or am I going to play the role of the saint? Which life do I choose? And the Apostle Paul presents to us for virtually almost the very first time besides Jesus, the role of the saint. And Paul is saying, the saint is the way to go. <coughs> Not until Jesus had this really been demonstrated and put forward. At Paul's time, everyone knew what a, what a Roman hero was. Powerful, full of glory, riches, always gets the girl, always wins the battle. But the role of the saint? What is that? Some miserable person, low-life person, does not get the girl, by the way, does not get the riches, and most likely ends up someplace with a no-name, living with people who are also no-names, serving. And Paul is saying, I have traded everything to become a saint, a follower of Jesus, and you should imitate me, he says. You know what Paul's ultimately after? You know what we're all ultimately after? The good life. We don't really know it. We don't think about it. But you work at it all day long. You think about it all day long. The good life. What technically what philosophers call flourishing. Flourishing. It's not a fancy word. It's a really common word. But philosophers since the time of Aristotle and Plato and onward, right on up into today, philosophers say what humanity is after is human flourishing. We want to flourish. We want to thrive. We want our children to grow up healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so right here in the middle, if we had another sign, it would be flourishing. Which way will you choose to accomplish flourishing? Will you choose the way of the saint? Or will you choose the way of the hero or of the saint? Which way will you choose? So the big picture. What does Paul want to achieve through being a saint? Does he want to achieve power? No. Does he want to achieve fame? No. Does he want to achieve riches? 
No. Does he want to be a person of notoriety? No. What will it get him to become a saint? Flourishing. Life. Genuine living. The real thing. That's what Paul puts forward as saying the way to real living. The hero will get you there too. But Paul says, and Jesus says, the way of the saint. Most of the time in America, because we're a hero nation, we love heroes. We just got through watching the Olympics. Nothing but heroes. It's awesome. I mean, we love heroes. We love heroes. We love, I, I am an addict, I'll just admit it, to military movies. You give me John Wayne, like, going up, you know, Sands of Jim or something, I'm just, I can watch it over and over and over. I'm, I'm just going to go here. I've never said this. My favorite movie, which is always embarrassing when I have to fill that out on surveys, my favorite movie, Patton. I'm sorry. It's my favorite movie. I cannot tell you how many dozens of times I've watched Patton. George C. Scott. I know you guys are thinking, like, I've never seen that show. And I'm not even telling you to watch it but it's my favorite movie. I tear up every time. It's goofy, you know. But America loves a hero. We love the hero story. We are the hero nation. We do heroes all day long. We all know what heroes are. Even when people act like saints, we call them heroes. When a firefighter runs into a burning building after a child, what are they? They're a hero. Well, they actually just did something that endangered their very life like a saint, giving up their very life. But we call them heroes. Nurses, doctors, police officers, military, they're all heroes. We love heroes. We know heroes. But Paul is saying, I have another way for you. Because, see, Paul himself gave up his hero role to become a saint. He gave it up. He gave it all up. You have to understand that at one time, Paul's name was not Paul. It was Saul, as in King Saul, the king who came before King David. When Israel, a thousand years earlier, was on the ascent, when it was rising up, and the people wanted a king, and so they got King Saul, who was good-looking and dashing and tall, an excellent warrior, a great general, had some really cruddy morals. But nonetheless, he was a hero. That's who Paul was named after. And when he encountered Jesus, he changed his name to Paul from Saul. He made the shift from hero to saint. Paul, as he says right here in Philippians, he said, I had it all going for me. I had power. I had politics. I was the up and rising star of the Sanhedrin. I'm a Pharisee. I am moral like nobody else. I got it all. I come from an aristocratic family. I have so much going for me. I'm a Roman citizen and a Jew. Imagine that. I didn't even have to buy it. I was born a Roman citizen. I got it all. And now I'm sitting in a prison cell telling all of you, imitate me. 
He says what he really wants us to do is gain Christ. He doesn't really want us all sitting in a stinking prison cell. What he wants us to do is be in Christ. He wants us to gain Christ. He says so right there in Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Paul wants us to gain Christ, and I'll just quote the verse for you in Philippians 3, 9 through 11. He wants to uh, to gain Christ, to to be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own, Paul says, that comes from the law, meaning the Old Testament law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see his yearning here? Every time Paul uses these words, by the way, just for a little technical moment here, every time he uses the words in Christ, in Christo, Every time Paul uses that, as opposed to just the word Christ alone or Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, every time when Paul uses the words in Christ, he uses it in a particular context. And what he means when he says in Christ, he means an inwardness of Christ. Actually, we would do better to translate it into Christ, like I'm into rock and roll or I'm into soccer but not like that instead it's more into like inside of you like your identity changes that's what he means by it and that's why we don't translate it well into english because we can never get that nuance of the idea of the being in christ means that you actually sort of become christ you trade out your identity This is a far cry, this idea of being in Christ from Paul. It's a far cry from the cheap version of salvation these days. It says, well, if I believe in Christ, then that means if I'm in Christ, that means I have eternal salvation. So when I die, I got fire insurance and I don't have to go to hell. And that's good, right? It's nothing like that. When Paul says, I want to share in the sufferings, I want to share in his death, I want to obtain the resurrection of the dead, and he's in Christ, he's saying, right now, I am in Christ. I am sharing in his sufferings. I am also sharing in his resurrection. I am flourishing. This is the life. Imitate me. And he tells us over and over to all the churches he writes to, whether it be Ephesus whether it be the church in Corinth, Thessalonica, over and over, imitate me, be in Christ. This is the life to lead, the life of the saint. I spent 40 years in ministry now, and I've probably spent over two decades getting this wrong, mostly wrong. I used to think God was my general. Years ago, somebody asked, so Give me who God is to you. And they listed off a list, you know, Santa Claus and all this other stuff. Big friend, you know, big O, buddy, whatever his name is, big zero. But God to me was general. And I'm supposed to be the good soldier. I'm supposed to obey orders. I'm supposed to do what I'm told. It doesn't matter whether or not I feel like I'm flourishing or whether I like it or not. I would read a passage from Paul sitting in prison saying, like, if I could only just be that obedient. Maybe someday I can be thrown in jail too. And then, you know, maybe God will be happy with me because now I'll really be devout. So if Jesus says evangelize, I evangelize. If the Bible said don't swear, then I don't cuss. If Jesus said share your money and possessions, I shared. 
I never thought about this idea of flourishing until one thing happened. I had kids. And when you have kids, you begin to realize the heart of the father. That God is a parent, not a general. And that God loves you and would do anything for you, just like you would do anything for your kids. You'll drive all night with them to a tournament. You'll stay up all night if they come home late. You'll spend any amount of money for whatever they want. You'll watch your child when they have the croup or they're sick all night long. You will lose years off your life because of your kids. And that's the way God thinks about us. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he's saint and not hero. Jesus came <clears throat> to bring us life. An abundant, full, rich, overflowing, bubbling up from within, in Christo, in Christ, life. It's not just about sacrifice. But we have our tales around here of sacrifice, believe me, at Lakeland. We've done it, and we still do it. I, I recall a young high school science teacher uh, named Garrett Leahy who helped us start Lakeland years ago. And he asked me a question one time, because in the early days when we were portable and we unloaded three trailers with several tons of equipment, uh, believe me, blood, sweat, and tears, <clears throat> we had it. If, I'm pretty much sure every Sunday somebody was bleeding. We sacrificed, sacrificed, sacrificed. We only had one value, sacrifice. Be there at 5.30 in the morning, leave at 1 o'clock from the movie theater. So Garrett came and asked me a question. He said, after several years of his own blood and sweat and his own tears, he said, so uh, I get the sacrifice thing. What's next? I didn't have an answer. Uh, more sacrifice, I think. That's the Christian life. Just sacrifice. I didn't know anything about flourishing. I didn't know anything about the life. I didn't know anything about the saint. I actually just taken the hero idea and just imposed it on the Christian life and just said, like, it's a battle, man. You got to win. Die. Where was the love relationship with the Father? Where was the coming alongside of those who didn't have as much as us? That's the role of the saint. And then comes our everyday life and children and love and loss, marriage, romance. All of it gets wrapped together and we become more and more flourishing. We become more human. And though the world won't tell you to get off the hero path, Paul and Jesus come and say, pursue the saint path. This is real life. This is the, the thing you will not hear anywhere else. When you go to work tomorrow or at school or anywhere else, everything's going to tell you to be the hero. <clears throat> but here at church in a sanctuary right now in this moment with the worship and all the rest of it, you hear, become the saint. Saints change the world. I think far more than heroes ever did. Jesus changed the world more than any other human being. Francis of Assisi, Desmond Tutu, on down the line, saint after saint after saint, bring peace. It was Napoleon sitting in exile for 30 years 
And he scratched his head and wrote in his journal one day and said, I cannot figure out. I've tried my whole life on how to be emperor of the world. I cannot figure out how Jesus changed the world and I didn't. Everyday life makes us into saints. And so we have to ask this question. What do you want? What do you want out of life? In your quest for flourishing, what do you want? What do you want? <clears throat> and the great problem within Christianity is often that you're not allowed to ask that question as a Christian sometimes. And it's totally wrong. You can ask that question all day long. What do you want? What are your desires of your heart? What do you want to be? Do you want to be in love? Do, do, you, want to, do, you, do you want to be cherished? Do you want to be important? It's all right here. I mean, it's in the hero as well, but it's all right here in the saint. It just looks like Paul. And, and, and not, you know, Maximus. That's me. Forgot to turn that off this time. Just so you know, when that happens, that's my prayer alarm. So I, I'm actually not kidding. That really tells me to pray. <clears throat> but we'll get there in just a moment. So what do you want? That's the question I want to leave you with. What do you want? How are you going about getting the thing that you want, your desires of your heart? I propose that this fall, we chase as hard as we can, like Paul, the role of the saint, the path of the saint. It's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. It's a, it's a role that will take you to places that you never imagined you would go. It will take you to come alongside the poor and the disenfranchised and those that are left behind. It'll take you to places, sometimes perhaps like Paul, to a prison cell. But oftentimes it will take you to a place that you never imagined you could go. I've spent the last two weeks just hearing snippets of people who have just come back from Haiti. You know what the general response is from people who come back from Haiti after playing with orphans? Silence. They don't know what to say because it's so countercultural to all the hero path that when they come back having been the saint, it stupefies them and it moves them to that place of prayer and identity shift. They become somebody different and they say, I don't even know what to say. Talk to me later. I remember it happened for me in Haiti years ago. We went to a nursery, and I'm holding babies with sores all over their bodies. And I'm asking, what's wrong with this one? Uh, it's not good. They'll be dead in two weeks. Oh, okay. What about the next baby? They'll be dead in a couple of months. On and on, all around the room, holding babies. You don't think that doesn't change your whole course of your life? That's what we're called to, everyone. That's the good life, the saint. The perfect symbol for all this, of course, is the Lord's table. You want to be in Christ? You want to be in Christo? You want to be in Christ, into Christ, inward Christ, have Christ be your identity? Servers can come forward. You want to be in Christ? There's no better metaphor, no better symbol than for those with this strong conviction to take a piece of bread and eat it and, and, and drink 
dip it in the drink, and eat it and say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's why Christians do this. If that's not your conviction, then stay in your seat. That's totally fine. You're at Lakeland. We don't care if people stay in their seat because they're like, yeah, I'm just not down with that right now. I'm still working on it. Like, fine. But for those of us who say we are followers of Christ, we all come forward. We say, mark me. I belong. One loaf, one cup. Mark me. That's me. I'm in Christ. Now, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body that's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Notice the primary symbols, everyone, of Christianity. This is my body. This is my blood. It's not a crown or a medal. It's a loaf of bread and a cup. It's not a hero. It's a saint. And all of us who subscribe to this, which we call faith, eat of it and drink of it. Would you stand with me as we praise the way Jesus taught us to pray? And I don't mean recite, I mean pray. But we do this all together because we are one. Join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. Deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And therefore, everyone, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore... Let us keep the feast, alleluia, the gifts of God for the people of God. Each day, may Jesus Christ be as real to us as this food and drink. You come forward whenever you're ready. Tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the chalice, consume it right there. Return to your seat in prayer. Come when you're ready. And now, God, you have fed us with spiritual food, and you're about to send us out into the world to be light and salt, the good life for those around us. May we go out to be saints. May we do everything in our power to change the world during the one lifetime you've given us. In the name of Christ, and we all said, amen. Well, we do thank you for coming today. Um, we are a good church, and it's a good body, and a good community, and we're kicking off the fall, and it's been awesome. This is Ashley Leahy, my assistant. Hi. And uh, hey, this little card thingy we got in here, like some very awesome thank yous go out to people who put a lot of work into it. I know Chris and all the volunteers just put a massive amount of work into the worship set today. So, you know, tell those guys thanks and good job and that they really, I mean, I just sit there and I think it really is really super high quality, you know? I mean, it's not schleppy stuff, you know? Like, this is great stuff, you know? And I mean, you know, the dancing was awesome. <laughs> Vashti's actually here, so sorry. I just had to kind of point her out. You're not going to wave your hand or anything, are you? Okay, wave your hand. Vashti, the dancer, is here in the video. So. <laughs>
I wasn't really planning on doing that, but I just had to. Um, okay. And you're up here because we're going to talk about small groups real quick. Yeah, today... we've got a big deal going on right yes, now. Yes, right now, out yes. in the lobby. Pick up your kids first, but then out in the lobby, it's small group kickoff. Go out there. There are people around the tables with signups, information about their small groups. You can sign up today, and uh, groups will start this fall. Someone will contact you if you sign up. If they don't, let one of us know. We'll get them for you. So but yeah. this, this card, in case you're like, well, I want to be in a group, but I don't have time to stop by one of the tables and check out the groups. So just turn this into the round kiosk desk out there and they'll get hold of you and ask you what group or tell you about the groups and so forth if that's going on. But but that's not all. That's not all. Out there, while you're out there, we're going to have hot dogs, chips, and drinks for everyone. So you don't have to worry about lunch today. Yay. All right. So yeah, join us in the lobby. Yeah. Small group kickoff. It's kind of a kickoff and a party time. That's so right. So it ought to be a great time. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So let's stand and be dismissed. And we'll go out with these words of Paul. Um, and I'll just uh, say what I've said in the past, which is this. This thing's going to say, glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Do you have a God that you can't imagine? Well, we all have a God that we can imagine. But what about a God that you cannot imagine? Because the God that you can imagine, the one in your head right now, will not change your life. The God in your head right now will not change your life. Only a God outside of your imagination, outside of your head, will change your life. That's the God we call upon. God, beyond my imagination, change my life. Send me forward. That's what this prayer is. That's what we're going out to. All right, join me, everyone. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and have a hot dog.